let's keep going. Key point number two is this. Not only will God affirm through his people, God will affirm his plans for you through circumstances. God will affirm his plans for you through circumstances. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now let's pause there just for a moment. There's several things going on here. This is a, this is a huge shift in Paul's ministry. This is the shifting point where the, the Apostle Paul is saying, I've been going to synagogues. I've been going to all these synagogues and trying to convince Jewish people to, to convert to Christianity, to give their lives to Christ. And he's been going to the synagogues over and over and over. But what's happened? They keep shutting the door. They keep saying no. They keep rejecting him. This is the shift in the Apostle Paul's ministry where he does what? He says, okay, then I'm going to start focusing on the Gentiles because they're, they're receiving the gospel. They're responding to it. And what happens? Did you, did you notice this? That he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. You know, last week, we talked about how God closes doors, and we talked about how the idea of, you know, God closes doors and it does two things. One is it is often God's protection. It protects us from something. He closes the door. He says, I don't want you to go any further than this because I'm protecting you from something. And we may never know what. We may never know what he was actually protecting us from. But we do know that a closed door uh, can be God's protection. We also know this, that a closed door does what? It redirects us. And it redirects us for the purpose of aligning us with the path of following God's purposes, his plan, his will. So a closed door forces us, I can't go this way anymore. What do I need to do? I need to realign, reassess, go another direction, go somewhere else. And that is oftentimes the way that God directs us and guides our path is he is redirecting us to help us align. Now, when that happens... We didn't, we didn't get to this point last week. Closed door. We're redirected. How do we know which direction to go? How do we know what we're supposed to pursue next? It, it's this question, right? It's how do we know which, which door now to pursue? How do we know what, is, what God is doing? How do we know which one is God's will? How do we know that? Well, when this happens, here's what I would suggest. Look for God's activity. Where is God already at work? What is he already doing? That's where he's inviting you to join him. Closed door. I'm going to have to relook. Looking around. What is God already doing? God is never sitting idle going, what am I going to do next? God is always at work. God is always doing something. And if God is always at work, always doing something, and we experience that closed door, and we're forced to be redirected, and we want to align our lives with the will of God, then the first thing we should do is we should look for where is God actively at work? Well, Paul sees how the Jews are re rejecting the message, and he sees that the Gentiles 
are responding. So what does he do? He says, I see God already at work with the Gentiles. This door continually closes. I am going to now refocus. Where do I look? I look to see where is God at work? God is at work with the Gentiles. If God is already at work with the Gentiles and he keeps closing this door, then for me to align my life with the will of God, I must do what? Say, yes, okay, God, I see you're inviting me to join you over here with the work that you're already doing. And let me tell you how to look for it. Look for what's unusual. Look for something unusual. It was unusual, first of all, for the gospel to be shared with Gentiles. Years had already gone by. The only people that had up to, you know, for a good while, like 10 years, the only people that were coming to Christ were Jews. And now the Gentiles are accepting Christ. That was unusual. But look for the unusual to find God's activity. Look for the unusual. Look for what we might call the coincidence. You might look at it and go, well, that was, that was a coincidence. That was, wasn't that strange? Wasn't that odd that that just happened? Let me give you an example. The activity of God usually is going to stand out in some way, and here's what happens. Isn't that a coincidence that a Gentile lives right next door to the synagogue? <laughs> His name's Justice. Coincidence or God said, I'm closing this door. I'm redirecting you, and as I'm redirecting you, I want your eyes to be open where I am at work, and where I'm at work is among the Gentiles. In fact, the synagogue is here. I've got justice, this guy living right next door to the synagogue. He's a Gentile. That's where I want you to preach. That's where I want you to go. That's where I want you. So we align our lives with the activity of God. The circumstances themselves can help us to deter determine God's will because we're looking for those moments where the circumstances, this door closed, forces me to realign. I look for where God's at work. God is at work here. I look for something unusual. Wow, God just put this right here. I, I was right here and right next to it. This is where God is at work. This is where I'm supposed to align my life. This is where I know that I'm going to be within the will of God. Let's keep going. Key point number three. So God's going to do what? He's going to affirm through other believers. He's going to coordinate circumstances. Key point number three. God will affirm his plans for you through his word. His word. Let's look at verses uh, 9 and 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Now, isn't that, isn't that just incredible? Here's the challenge. I don't know if God's going to show up and speak to you in a vision, in an audible voice like he did Paul. It hasn't happened for me not to say that God couldn't. He very well could. He may show up today uh, or even tonight and, and, and while I'm sleeping and show up in a vision and say, hey, here's what I want for you. But if he doesn't, that doesn't mean that I can't hear the voice of God. Why do I say that? Because we learn the voice of God through his word, the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It is how he chooses to speak to us. 
So even if God never shows up in a vision to speak to you in an audible voice, we can and we should expect God to speak to us through his word. Why? Because the will of God will always, always, always be aligned with the word of God. You can't have, you can't have two, you, the two can't be in opposition of one another. You can't have the will of God in opposition to the word of God. The two are always, always, always going to align. They're going to be in alignment with one another. So if someone said something, something crazy, someone said, uh, if they said something like this, hey, God told me that it was okay to murder this person. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, find better friends. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably a red flag, right? But what, immediately it's a red flag. Immediately you go, wait a second. That's not right. It doesn't align with God's word. Anytime someone says, oh, but you know, I, I've prayed about it, and God said it's okay for me to do this. And then you're going, why, why would you say it's okay? And, and what, what are they doing? They're trying to justify sometimes even sinful behavior and justify and say, God told me it was okay, but it's out of alignment with his word. God's will will never be out of alignment with his word. God is not inconsistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word endures forever. It, it doesn't wither and fade like the grass. It is going to be the sustenance that we need because it is unchanging. So when we look at that, did you know that the Bible explicitly says numerous times, more than, more than a couple of dozen times, that it says these words, this is the will of God. And then it goes on. It's like that you would fill in the blank. And it tells us, hey, this is, these are some of the things that God, that you want to know what God's will is? The Bible says over and over, this is the will of God that you would do this. This is the will of God that you would give your life to Christ. This is the will of God that you would walk in the Spirit. This is the will of God that you would do this. A lot of times I think we're looking for something uh, to justify maybe our, 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 our sinful attitudes and behaviors, and we don't look to the Scriptures and look for just as plain as it is where it says, this is God's will that you do this. You want to know God's will for your life? You cannot find it apart from God's Word. It's going to be there. It's going to be affirmed through the church. It's going to be affirmed through believers. It's going to be affirmed through the circumstances. But if you want to absolutely make certain that you are in alignment with the will of God, it must be in alignment with his word. So are you spending time in his word and expecting to hear from God while you're there? You have to. While you're there. So here's another question. How well do you know the voice of those closest to you? I mean, how well do you know the voice of those closest to you? If Cheryl were to call me, and this, ha this uh, let's, let's put it this way. You say, yeah, but you got caller ID. You look and you know it's her before you even pick it up, right? But let's just suppose she's calling from a number that I don't know. And I'm looking at it going, oh, who's this calling? It's a local number, but I, I don't recognize it. And I pick it up, I answer, hello. And two words come out. And it's, no it's nothing more than, hey, I'm... 
And then she could go on and start to, I'm, I'm at the, she didn't have to say, hey, this is Cheryl, your wife. Why? I know her voice. I recognize it. I recognize it quickly. Um, even from an, an unknown number, I would recognize it. Knowing her voice is more than pitch, volume, tone, and cadence. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I know her voice when it comes to emotion. Uh, I can sense and hear excitement. I can hear uh, disappointment. I can hear some of those things. I even know her voice when it comes to her character. Uh, have you heard about these AI recordings in which they can match the, the voice of someone and you can get a phone call from a replicated AI voice that has mimicked someone else's voice. And I've seen some of these online where a parent gets a phone call and says, hey, this so-and-so, and, -so, and they, they're panicked, and they're in crisis, and they're saying, I don't have time to explain right now, but I need you to send me some money. Can you get me a gift card, a Visa gift card, and send it here? I need you to do it. And then it's like, you know, and, and you're listening to it, and the voice is generated by AI, and it sounds just like the relative. Sounds just like them. You're listening, you know, listening and convinced. Hear me on this. Um, sometimes the language that is being used is more than tone. It's more than volume. It's more than cadence. And an AI can generate all that. And AI can even generate panic and emotion. But let's just suppose, what if that AI generated a message and that Cheryl calls me and it's AI generated and I hear her talking and she starts and, and, and it's and it's like this guy here and it's filled with vulgarities you know it's like yeah this you wouldn't believe what this guy did and I need you to hurry and, it, and it's urgent but it's filled with this vulgarity I'm going that sounds just like her but you know what that's not her voice why would I know that because I know her character you know, AI might be able to generate emotion. AI might be able to generate tone and cadence and all of those other things associated with it. But what can it not, can it, can it not generate? It will not and cannot generate character. Now, why do I say that? Because knowing the voice of God is more than knowing an audible voice because we don't know the audible voice of God. Clearly, Paul got that benefit. Paul would have heard the cadence, the tone, the volume, the things that would be incredible to hear. Paul heard those things. We're probably not going to hear that. So if we're going to hear the voice of God, what do we listen for? We listen for character. What aligns with his character? Because when we see that, when we hear that, when, we, when we're reading God's Word, we, we learn His voice by learning the character of God. And when something is said that goes outside of the character of God, we go, that's not God's voice. That's not God's voice. When God, if, if someone comes along and says, hey, you know, I, I prayed about it, and God told me it was okay to, to do this sinful behavior. You'd, go, you'd step back and say, well, wait a second. That doesn't sound like the voice of God. I know the voice of God. 
And it's more than tone. It's more than volume. It's more than cadence. It's more than pitch. It's more than all of those things. It's even more than emotion. It's the character of God. How well do you know the voice of God? How well do you know the voice of God? You learn and know the voice of God by getting to know his character by spending time in his word.